Who have been the most impactful transfers over the last five years, and why are most of them Oklahoma Sooners? Let's talk about that. We've got a running back preview and some big movement in the top 247 sports update coming your way on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us and making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to the show over there, hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, and drop a like as well. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners. And joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer of 94.7 The Ref in Norman. You can Listen to him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. You can also follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. Josh, how are you doing on a fine recording on a Tuesday evening? Doing great, man. Doing great. Hope you are as well. You know, we thought the transfer quarterback merry-go-round for Oklahoma, we thought it was about to be done, right? With Spencer Rattler, with Caleb Williams, the idea that these transfer in quarterbacks of Baker Mayfield, of Kyler Murray, of Jalen Hurts, we thought that saga was just about done. Little did we know that Spencer Rattler's 2021 season would play out the way that it did. All of the drama with Caleb Williams taking over the stardom immediately. Yeah, some, some hiccups late. And then, of course, we know what happened from there with each of those two departures away from Oklahoma and the arrival of Dylan Gabriel. So you've got another transfer quarterback, John, that's taken over for Oklahoma here. We think again that the future for Oklahoma beyond Dylan Gabriel, when you think about a Nick Evers, when you think about a Jackson Arnold, okay, it looks like the compass is pointing in the direction that a, a, a sooner that signs with Oklahoma doesn't come in as a transfer is going to wind up being the signal caller at some point in the near future. But if we've learned anything, I guess, about college football in recent years, it's that at Oklahoma and really just with the quarterback position in general, John, man, things can change quickly. And a transfer quarterback that we don't see on the horizon right now could be on the horizon. Again, uh, put me on the record for, I think either Nick Evers or Jackson Arnold will be the starting quarterback of Oklahoma in the SEC see whenever Oklahoma gets there but it is wild when you look at some of these lists that get compiled about all these different transfers into Oklahoma that have been impactful quarterbacks and then obviously not even just the quarterback position but the transfers out the notable transfers that Oklahoma has been a part of the last five years and it's something that is going to be the new norm for college football just the transfer portal is and if it's like NFL free agency like players just aren't going to stick with the team generally speaking, for their four or five years as much as we're used to. Now, it's still going to be a very high percentage of players that sign with the school, play out their career with that school, graduate and go on to their profession or go on to the NFL. But the transfer portal, it's it's the new world. Like, this is where we're headed in college football. I mean, we've reaped tons and huge benefits from that over the years. I mean, you can even go back to Josh Heupel back in two, you know, 2000 when he came to the Oklahoma Sooners like, 
reaped huge rewards from the transfer portal in that sense as well. But so ESPN comes out with their most impactful transfers, the top 40 most impactful transfers of the last five years. And a lot of Oklahoma Sooners were on this. The one caveat on this is that Kyler Murray was not included because he actually transferred to the Sooners back during the 2017 season. So he was with the Sooners in 2017 before he actually became the starter in 2018. So not included on this list. Otherwise, he probably would have been number one, but or probably number two, because we know who number one was, and that was Joe Burrow, who was originally signed with Ohio State, ended up transferring to LSU and kind of rewrote the record books as far as offensive football is concerned during that 2019 season. But we'll just run down the list real quick, and, and you can tell me how you feel about this. Jalen Hurts comes in at number two, who transferred to Oklahoma from Alabama after helping the Crimson Tide reach the college football playoffs and get to the national championship game, comes to Oklahoma, has arguably one of the greatest seasons to not win a Heisman of all time, in my opinion. Really was terrific for Oklahoma in that standalone season. Obviously, it ends with the the bitter disappointment versus the aforementioned LSU, but you just think about what his what his numbers were, 2,780 yards, 23 touchdowns, 13 more on the ground. So he was uh, obviously terrific for – well, actually, I'm, I'm looking at his initial numbers, huh? 3,851 yards with Oklahoma, 32 touchdowns, and ran for what? Is that right, 20 touchdowns with, with Oklahoma, or is that just over the course of his career? That's no, pretty that's, mind-boggling that's numbers. Touchdowns. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's an incredible season that he had with Oklahoma. So really just the stability, you know, outside of the numbers, clearly I'm discombobulated here reading through those notes, but the numbers of that season individually were great, but really more than that, John, the stability that he provided the program and keeping OU on the map in a season where they needed somebody to bridge that gap. And he provided a tremendous amount of leadership. Like he came in and he took over the room almost immediately. I still remember and this is before, you know, I became, you know, a Sooners, you know, podcaster or writer, I, just still a fan. And I remember like on Twitter, on social media, just the, the video of him squatting, like maxing out on the squat and everybody just like coming around him and celebrating his new, you know, personal best and all that. Just like everybody just, you know, elated and stuff like that. It's like he had command of the locker room just because of his work ethic and his attitude. And, and I think that's, and that's another reason why he's so, he was such a impactful transfer addition for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yes. The production on the field, tremendous. We'll never, we'll never forget that Baylor comeback either, you know, being down 28 to three and then orchestrating that comeback down there in Waco, just phenomenal performance. And it kind of goes a little bit underrated. I think a lot of times when you think about, you know, Baker, Kyler, and Jalen, just because he didn't win the Heisman, had Joe Burrow not existed that year, Jalen Hurts very much would have won the Heisman because his season was remarkable. Like you read the numbers and you have to go check. You have to go like cross-reference that to make sure is that accurate that he, you know, had more than 4,000 total yards and almost in more than 50 total touchdowns because he was phenomenal. Uh, a few other names on this list with Oklahoma ties, you know, Caleb Williams comes in at number four. Uh, you know, we don't need to rehash all of Caleb Williams story because it's been talked about ad nauseum, had a good season for Oklahoma, wasn't great. Um, you talked about it early. He stumbled down the stretch a little bit, 
but I still think he's going to be a good quarterback and he has a chance to be really great for, for USC. I, I don't think there's any misconceptions there that he's going to be pretty good. Uh, anything you want to note on that front? Yeah, I, I would say probably number four is too high for me at this point, but they're projecting here what he's going to ultimately do at USC. And I think anybody that is objective about it realizes the potential that is there with Caleb Williams that, yeah, I mean, we could be talking about one of the great star quarterbacks in college football history when it's all said and done. That's uh, doing some projecting. But, uh, again, like I said, probably too high for me, but I get why he's at four. Yeah, and it's, again, and I think that's what's happening on, on this list quite a bit, and we'll get there as we go because Spencer Rattler comes in at number 10. Um, obviously, he hasn't done anything for South Carolina yet, but, you know, we think he's a pretty good quarterback and, and should be able to do some good things for the Gamecocks. Uh, number 21, Dylan Gabriel. Now, I get maybe why you might rank him so low um, on this list or, like, you know, in the bottom half. Because you know he's going from UCF to Oklahoma, you, you want to know can he make that transition to the Big Twelve competition? Um, but you know if you're thinking about what he's done in his time, I mean he's been fantastic. Like we, we've gone over the numbers, and he helped keep UCF as one of the kind of premier Group of Five programs. Um, you know comes in behind Gardner Minshew, who went from East Carolina to Washington State. I mean, was Washington, what did Washington State really do? I mean, yeah, they had a pretty good season, um, but, you know, they, they, had some, they had some issues. They weren't perfect. Uh, Shane Bouchelle going from Texas to SMU, okay, he was fine. Uh, Derek King going from Houston to Miami, I don't think we've really seen that play out really, really well. And then Jackson Dart going from USC to Ole Miss. And, again, you're, you're projecting out. You think Jackson Dart's going to be great at Ole Miss, but – what have we seen in the past from him? Not really a whole lot to like hang our hat on just yet. So Dylan Gabriel kind of coming in behind those guys is a bit surprising to me, but I can see why people might have some questions. Yeah. I, I think you just want that consistency across the board. If look, I don't think by seasons end. I mean, maybe in terms of just projecting to the national football league, but South Carolina is not going to have as successful of a football season as Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel are going to have. I think Dylan Gabriel statistically is set to have a better season than Spencer Rattler. So I think by season's end, we might be having Dylan Gabriel well above Spencer Rattler on this list, even, you know, just projecting out. So that to me is uh, a little bit of a, you know, eyebrow raiser, head scratcher there. But, hey, I, you know, I'm not going to complain too much, Dylan Gabriel being at 21. Clearly he's mentioned here as an impactful transfer. And to me, you know, the bigger thing, even than where Dylan Gabriel slots in and did he get slided here, which I do think that he did relative to these other guys, John is, man, it's just crazy to think about all of the Oklahoma influence on this list. Even somebody like Jackson Dart that you mentioned, oh, by the way, was flirting around with maybe coming to OU. Yeah, he was definitely in the uh, in consideration even after Dylan Gabriel committed to Oklahoma, like they were still pursuing him. He still took a visit to Norman. So it's people who are concerned about Oklahoma's ability to continue to recruit quarterbacks after Lincoln Riley left. I think this offseason proved to you that that's not going to be an issue. You get Nick Evers, a four-star quarterback who was originally committed to Florida. You get Jackson Dart, who was a four-star quarterback, now is a five-star you had Jackson Dart, who was, you know, 
Did I say Jackson Dart or did I say Jackson Arnold before? I can't remember. Jackson Arnold, now five-star quarterback commit, your first commit of the Brent Venables era. Jackson Dart was flirting with Oklahoma. Dylan Gabriel came to Oklahoma. So the quarterback position is going to be well-stocked for the future, now, present, future. It's going to be fine. No issues. Oklahoma, over the last two decades, has had great quarterback play over the years, and it's not going to slow down at all. we got a few more notes that we'll want to touch on after I talk to you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar ever. It's great, and it's great for you. You don't want to miss out on it. Now they've got something called coconut brownie chunk puff and cookie dough puffs as well. Great texture, great taste, and all the great protein that you could need. They're low sugar, low calorie, and high protein. I eat one just about every single day for breakfast, have some as a snack, and it's great for post-workout as well just to help get you that extra energy, that extra fuel uh, before and after your workout. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, get 15% off your next order over at Built.com. A few more names I want to touch on here because this list from Tom Van Heron over at ESPN is kind of interesting. Um, and you know, coming in after Dylan Gabriel at number 34 was Mario Williams, who transferred to USC. And I think this is this is where I get a little bit confused with this list a little bit because he was good for Oklahoma in a limited role last year. And we think he's going to be good because he's a five-star player. He's got a ton of talent. We think he'll be great. But is he the most impactful transfer? I, I don't see that just yet. I think he can be a really good player, but I just don't see him in that realm as some of these other guys. Like you're putting him on the same list that you're putting Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields and Joe Burrow. Now, sure, much further down the list, but I mean, has he done enough to warrant being put on one of these impactful transfer lists? Unless you're just projecting out and saying he's going to be as impactful as a Jamison Williams was going from Ohio State to Alabama. Because that's it's, where I have a, a, a bit of a problem with this list. Sorry, Josh. No, you're good. It, it's a fair question. You know, Jordan Addison was number five on this list. If you're, you know, sitting right there screaming at the YouTube video or driving around your vehicle, what the heck? How can they have, you know, Mario Williams and not have Jordan Addison? Well, they did have Jordan Addison very, very high up on this list. And to me, that might work against Mario Williams a little bit in this regard in terms of, impactful transfers you don't think that jordan addison is far and away going to be the number one target for the usc trojans of course he is now you want to counter argue me right back and say well but that's also going to help mario williams go out and get his too okay maybe but yeah it's again probably too high for somebody like mario williams at 34 even projecting out even projecting out with him john i just think probably you're going to see a you'll see a little bit better numbers than what we saw from Mario Williams at Oklahoma in his true freshman season simply because guess what it's no longer a true freshman season but it's not like he's going out to Hollywood and he's this number one target for USC he's not right and I think he'll have some production but from what we saw last season, I just don't know what the Lincoln Riley offense is anymore you know like during the Baker Mayfield Kyler Murray, era it was a lot of like you know a lot of passing attempts i mean they ran they were balanced but the wide receivers the pass catchers they all ate like there there was a lot of production to go around for those guys and the jalen hurts you know it was it was more of a mixed bag they ran the ball more because you had a more powerful running quarterback that you could that you could do that with and then 
kind of the Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams era of Lincoln Riley's offense, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. And so are there going to be enough targets to go around for Jordan Addison and Mario Williams and Travis Dye and whoever else is on the wide receiver depth chart? Because that certainly wasn't the case for Oklahoma in 2021. I mean, that's part of the reason Jaden Hazelwood transferred out. Mario, Marvin Mims was considering transferring out if Lincoln Riley would have stayed or was going to transfer out. Sorry, I should say that if Lincoln Riley was going to stay. So I think that's where some of my question comes in with Mario Williams is like, if we project that he's going to have this big season and, and have a huge impact, do we know that like, okay, they're going to, they're going to throw the ball 500 times and you know, Mario Williams is going to get a hundred targets. We don't, I don't think we know that. Like they might throw it 300 times. They might, you know, throw it 400 times. We'll see. But I just don't know if we can just look at what happened in 2021 with the way that Oklahoma's offense ran and just know that he's going to get out there and have this big, like thousand yard season, you know, double digit touchdowns. And he just might, but I don't sit, I don't think we can sit here and just say that outright because what do we know? We just know that it was very inconsistent last year with Caleb Williams at the quarterback position for half the season. The passing offense wasn't always great. Um, it was good at times and it was productive at times, but it wasn't great at times. Um, as well. And so just interesting. And, and then a couple more nuggets on this list that I thought were interesting because you know, we're looking at players that were the most impactful transfers and a guy like Tanner Mordecai, who was an Oklahoma backup quarterback, came in, played sparingly at times, transfers to SMU, puts up a big season. SMU goes eight and four. They're kind of in contention for the, the AAC title for, you know, the first couple months of the season, the you know last month as the Sonny Dykes rumors kind of start to swirl around SMU about him leaving for TCU they kind of fall off the cliff a little bit but he has a very productive season for them almost those for 4,000 yards those 39 touchdowns I mean he's huge like he's big for SMU and kind of keeps them in a very competitive place in the American Athletic Conference uh, and so it was really odd to me that he wasn't included on this list of most impactful transfer quarterbacks when you did consider like Shane Bouchelle going from Texas to SMU I don't know so that one is there odd. anybody Anybody from Oklahoma that transferred in right now that you feel like got snubbed a little bit, maybe a key Lawrence. Yeah. And that's, and that's who I considered, you know, like I thought key Lawrence was a very impactful player last year for the Oklahoma Sooners, you know, the Iowa state game in particular, but then also Alex Grinch being able to throw him out there against Texas tech as a cornerback. That was huge. Like they were dealing with so many injuries in the quarterback position and you took a guy who'd never played the position and in a week's time, you turn him into an effective player. Like the first play of the game, Texas Tech tries to throw at Eric Ezukanma. And Key Lawrence, he kind of gets beat on it, but his competitiveness and his edge allows him to come in and, and strip the ball away so it's not a completed pass. And so I think Key Lawrence, like, and then based on what we know about Brent Menable's defense and what he's able to do with guys like him who play in the box, I think he's about to have a huge season. One of these seasons that's going to vault him into like this top 100 pick territory for the nfl draft like i think he's going to have a big big season because he brings a very similar kind of style and presence to him that a brent venables does like a very, you know he's he's kind of got an edge to him he plays fast he plays hard he plays physical and so i think we're going to see a lot of key lawrence kind of almost be featured a little bit in the defense yeah he's a safety but i think it's going to be in that more box style role where he's going to be able to free flow to the football and just make plays on the ball and so i i if we're projecting forward, like we've been doing with Mario Williams, like we're doing with Caleb Williams and Spencer Rattler to an extent, 
I think we could do the same thing for Key Lawrence and include him probably in that top 40 as well. But again, I think he's one of these players that's a little bit flying under the radar nationally still, but I don't think it's going to be long before everybody kind of comes to grips with who Key Lawrence is in this Oklahoma Sooners defense. So yeah, that's where I stand on Key. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's got a chance to be maybe Oklahoma's best player defensively in this 2022 season. And if that's the case, and if Oklahoma makes serious improvement under Brent Venables, under Jay Valai, under Brandon Hall, just everybody collectively, right? Ted Roof, uh, Miguel Chavis, uh, our man up front who I'm blanking on, our defensive, uh, other defensive line coach here. But if Todd Bates, th- thank you. If Mr. Bates and company get this thing rolling in a direction that Oklahoma fans haven't seen really uh, in quite some time, then, and, and Key Lawrence is the one spearheading a lot of that in the defensive secondary, which, oh, by the way, was, and I've said this a lot on here, not good last season for Oklahoma, then he's got a chance to really skyrocket up a list like this. I do think if you're talking top 40s, top 40 player transfers, it probably means what you and I are talking about is Key Lawrence has got to be a bona fide star, right? Somebody that's in the mix for national defensive back uh, of the year type awards, which I think he's capable of, John. I think that's uh, totally possible. Real quick, let me tell you about our friends. I've got this, John. This is from our friends. You've seen me sport this. It's from Home Field Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. They've got all sorts of vintage marks. We love vintage. We love retro. And they've got a full Oklahoma collection, 15 pieces of apparel in their collection, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks. Of course, that was one of my uh, T-shirts right there that, again, are retro, all vintage marks. And you'll love this, ladies and gentlemen. New customers, as we've been telling you, can get 15% off their first purchase from Homefield Apparel with our code Locked On Sooners at checkout. Locked On Sooners at checkout over at homefieldapparel.com, John. Yeah, and something you'd normally have to go like scour vintage clothing stores for that retro look, you can just go to Homefield Apparel and get some great feeling t shirts. So I love them. My wife is. Already got her plans in to get some home field as well. So make sure you go check it out. Josh, we're going to get into the running backs because this is going to be a very interesting position going into the 2022 season. Kennedy Brooks gone to the NFL. Uh, in the Oklahoma Sooners got Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, who we saw in the spring game returning. We've got Eric Gray, who we can talk about in a second. I thought was going to get a much bigger slice of the pie last year. Started out that way and then kind of teared off. Marcus Major is also returning. Uh, they got a nice little transfer addition as well in Bentavius Thompson from UCF. Uh, also received another transfer in a Juco player in Tawi Walker. Um, and then you got Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson, your walk-on players from last year, who were solid players in the Western Carolina game. So, Josh, just your initial feelings about this running back group as we head into 2022. I'll be totally transparent. I don't know enough about the UCF transfer to have a strong opinion one way or the other yet. That's uh, something I know that that's a, what, mid-June transfer edition for Oklahoma. So you would think you've had plenty of time to get this research done, but probably need to spend some time watching a little bit more of his game film to have an honest opinion for you. So from that standpoint, what I'm looking at right now, 
I still feel like it's the two incoming youngsters that you're talking about in Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk. I think Barnes has a very realistic chance to be a serious difference maker for Oklahoma, just based on some of what we heard throughout the spring, the fact that he's an early enrollee type of guy. Obviously, we know about fourth-year rusher Marcus Major as well. And then what do you make of this quote from Big 12 Football Media Days? I'm reading a story from the Tulsa World right here, and this is from Marvin Mims. Quote, E.G., Eric Gray, E.G. is running that room as if he's been there for five years, John. That's just the guy he is, especially with Kennedy leaving. I mean, it's new times, end quote. Eric Gray's a leader? I mean, I don't know who else you'd turn to at this point. And that's not to take anything away from Eric Gray and what his leadership capabilities are. But are we expecting a guy like Marcus Major to kind of be the leader of the room who had his own kind of academic issues last year that kept him out for a lot of the season? Are we expecting your true freshman runners to be the leaders in the room, your, your walk-ons. I don't think so. So kind of by default, it's Eric Gray. And that's not to say that he's not going to have a productive season. Like Brent Venables, anytime that's, that the running back position is asked about, who's the guy he talks about? Eric Gray. Like that's the guy that stands out to him the most when, when he's asked about the running back position. He says he's doing everything right. He's running really well. He's got a great grasp of the offense. And I think he could have a, a great season for Oklahoma. Like, I really feel like he's got a Deuce Vaughn-type potential to him. He just didn't get the, the, the looks. He didn't get the opportunities last year, the handoffs or the targets, to really show what he's fully capable of. I think we saw it in, in spurts. Uh, we saw it at the beginning of the season as they were still trying to kind of ramp up Kennedy Brooks, who had taken the year off before. And I think we saw, like, several plays at times where – you know, they, they tried to get him the ball um, in a schemed way, but they didn't ever just kind of rely upon him after about like week three or four of the season. I think it was the West Virginia game was the last game where he got like more than 10 carries in a game. And so I'm curious to see how it's going to look a little bit different. I think Jeff Levy will be a little bit more creative in how he gets him the football, not just on screen plays or not just on swing passes, but I think he can really get Eric Gray out in pass patterns, like out down the field and utilize his pass catching ability a little bit more. Get him in space as a runner, you know, run more stretch plays to, to let him use his speed on the outside uh, to get outside the tackle box. So that's a, that's a guy that I'm really intrigued by. I, I'm not fully sold on kind of what to expect from him yet. I think he can be a really good and a, a dynamic runner, somebody who could probably put up 12, 1300 total yards but I don't know if he's going to be the guy that we, ex that we see carrying the ball 20, 25 times a game and nor should we like, is he going to be more effective at 15 touches a game? And then you can give the other, you know, five to 10 between Marcus major and Javante Barnes. Javante Barnes is the guy that continues to get a lot of the, the hype around him. And I think the, the, the encouraging thing about Javante Barnes is they threw him into the deep end in the spring game. They said, you're going to carry the ball and you're going to carry it a lot. And he held up. I mean, his yards per attempt weren't great. I think it was like 3.5, 3.6 for the spring game. But he's also running behind kind of a, a, a mashup offensive line, like not running behind the number one offensive line. Uh, and so it, it's very intriguing group in that I think we could see a number of players have an impact in a very big committee. You know, the the new guy, the Bentavious uh, Thompson, who came from UCF, you know, Dylan Gabriel – former teammate of him, 
he's very high on him. He thinks he's going to provide a good impact. He, he says he's a downhill runner, someone who's going to be able to make an impact and run, run strong, run physical. Tawi Walker, a lot of people are very high on this walk-on transfer addition. Um, but how much of an opportunity is, gonna, is he going to get? Gavin Sawchuk, people love his speed and his ability to make plays um, in space. But he's a, a summer enrollee, so how quickly is he going to get the, the playbook under his, you know, in his brain and, and be able to apply it and get on the field? And so it's a very interesting group. It looks like it's, you know, it's Eric Gray and then Marcus Major, Javante Barnes. And then from there on, it's, it's going to be, who knows, based on each week. I, I think it'll go week to week, kind of the hierarchy at that point. So I'm looking at Eric Gray's game log from last season. And you're right, West Virginia was the final double-digit carries game. 12 carries for 38 yards in that one for Eric Gray versus West Virginia. He had 15 before versus Nebraska for 84 yards and nine in the first two games versus both Western Carolina and Tulane. And remember, you know, to start last season, it was really Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks splitting time at the running back position. But obviously we know that Kennedy Brooks, as he should have in 2021, did establish himself as Oklahoma's leading runner. And that meant that Eric Gray didn't have quite the same production coming down the stretch. He finishes with 78 rushes for 412 yards, couple of rushing touchdowns, 23 grabs for 229 yards. I've said before, I agree with some of the comments you made. And when you say, I think he has Deuce Vaughn-like qualities, look, anybody out there, he's not saying he's Deuce Vaughn. He's not saying he's B. John Robinson. But I get what you're saying. He has that ability to both be impactful running the football. And if Oklahoma, with Jeff Levy now, and with this offensive staff, if they call plays the right way, and get him out in space and pass-catching situations, I think he's going to show you a lot more than 23 grabs for 229 yards. So I'm excited about that with the running backs. I do think it's an interesting group when you compare it to, say, last year, John. Remember last year the conversation was such conversation about should Oklahoma fans be a little bit concerned about where this running back room is at? Eric, uh, Eric Grace transferring in. Kennedy Brooks, oh, he opted out took the, the COVID year to opt out. And, you know, I think you and I were in agreement that we were both very, very high on what Kennedy Brooks would have coming back from having opted out, but others were maybe more concerned about that. Okay, we fast forward to now. What is sort of your pulse at? I'm much more concerned about the running back room heading into 2022 than I was going into 2021. That's not to say that I'm overly, overly concerned for Oklahoma, but I would say my I need to see more meter is much higher going into this season than it was, say, a year ago when I was reading comments on Twitter and seeing think pieces about, well, what kind of Kennedy Brooks are we going to get? Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at, too, because when people were sitting there assuming that Eric Gray was going to be the starting running back, the RB1 for the Oklahoma Sooners, I'm like – do y'all remember Kennedy Brooks? Like, I know he was gone for a year, but that he's a dude. Like, he's a guy that you can rely on. Like, he's the reason that Trey Sermon left to go to Ohio State. I, I know we point to Ramondre, but, I mean, Kennedy Brooks, you know, 3,000-yard seasons. Like, he's he's one of two Oklahoma Sooners running backs to have more than 3,000 yards rushing and average more than seven yards per carry. The other guy, Billy Sims. So, 
I was not concerned about what Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray were going to be able to do. There was a, some depth concerns because after that, you just had your walk-on guys and Todd Hudson and Jaden Knowles, two very you know effective and capable running backs, but not guys that you necessarily want to rely upon for 20 carries a game if you had to. I think this year the depth is better in that you've got a, a, a lot of guys that you feel pretty good about, but yes, a lot of guys that were kind of like, we, we got to see it on the football field. I mean, our evaluations of you know Gavin Sochik and Javante Barnes, I mean, we expect them to do great things at Oklahoma, but we've expected that from people in the past and it hasn't transpired. I mean, I'm still very high on Marcus Major, even though he's had his issues. I still think he can be a pretty productive runner for the, for the Oklahoma Sooners. I just need to see him do it for a whole year. And, I, and like I said about Eric Gray, like when I watched his game film at Tennessee – I saw a guy that was explosive and able to break big plays. I just think Lincoln Riley gave up on him too quick. I think they gave up on him after the West Virginia game, which if you're going up against Dante Stills and Akeem Mesidor, two of the best defensive tackles in the country, and you're only coming away with 38 carries or 38 yards on 12 carries, of course, like to get the three yards per carry against that interior defensive line, like that's not too bad, actually, considering we had some offensive line inconsistency early in the season. And so – I still think Eric Gray can be a very, very productive running back. I just want to see how they're going to utilize him more this year. And are they actually going to give him 15 to 20 touches a game? And then from there on, it's like, how does the rest of it play out? Because again, it's a lot of like, we still need to see how this is all going to play out. So yeah, Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. That's pretty much where I'm at too. I would say, I need a serious step up in production for me from Eric Gray before I get to the point of, I think Eric Gray is Oklahoma's next star running back. I think he could be a very serviceable guy. I feel that way about Marcus Major too. And that's no disrespect or slight to either one of those two guys. I'm just very much in the, hey, you know, show me a couple of 100-yard rushing days back-to-back or, you know, rip off a couple more highlight runs here and there. Show me a little bit more of the spectacular before I'm banking on that going into 2022 i'm by no means in this let's hit the panic button thing but i'm pretty intrigued by what the youngsters can add for oklahoma just because again i don't see necessarily at least right now today and this is again not to just be some big time hater here it's just to be honest with you based on what i've seen so far in gray and major i haven't seen yet okay that's ramondre stevenson that's kennedy brooks that's samaj p ride that's joe mixon so I'm still kind of wait and see in that regard with it. And I think there's an opportunity for a Javante Barnes or a Gavin Sawchuck potentially. Yeah. And I think Javante Barnes is the guy that if we see somebody other than Eric Gray and Marcus major kind of take the reins, I think it's, it's him because he's shown that he can hold up to a workload. He he's, they, they trusted him enough in the spring game, at least to just go out there and do his thing. Like we want to see, can you carry the load? And I think that was telling, you know, yes, Marcus Major wasn't available. Gavin Sawchuk hadn't shown up yet. You were limited at running back. And so you didn't have many options, but they could also not run the ball. Like if they were concerned about whether, you know, whether or not Javante Barnes was going to be able to hold up under the scrutiny of carrying the ball 25 times or 20 to 25 times a game, then they would have just thrown the ball more. They would have thrown more wide receiver screens, but they wanted to see what he could do in a, you got to carry the ball. You've got to be the bell cow for us. And I think he held up pretty well. Uh, and so I, I'll, be, I'll be intrigued. I think that's the guy that I think we'll find out 
And I think they're going to get good opportunities against the UTEP, against Kent State, to see what Javante Barnes is able to do early in the season, see what Marcus Majors is early able to do. I mean, you've got a good floor in Eric Gray. Um, hopefully it's he can raise that floor uh, heading into the season because I think they're going to need it. I, I think we need to see them run the ball much more consistently uh, early in the season than they did last year so they can help the offense get into a rhythm and get more comfortable uh, with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, with Marvin Mims getting Theo Weiss back. I think the passing game is going to be fine, but we got to get more consistent and uh, more productive rushing early in the season this year and not have it be these kind of boomer bust type games like we saw last year at times. Last thing we got to touch on before we get out of here, Josh, is the top 247 update. So Jackson Arnold officially is a five-star. He was a five-star about a month ago in the 247 sports composite. Now in the top 247, he is also a five-star. Number five quarterback in the country. Uh, moved up to number 15 in their rankings. Um, so big shout out to friend of the show, Jackson Arnold. Uh, Jaquez Petaway actually dropped a few spots in the top 247, went from 34 to 40. Um, I, I kind of take that with a bit of a grain of salt just because – and some of these things are like so the, the evaluations can change in a minuscule way in such a, in a fraction of a way that it drops a guy six spots. Uh, but the big jump was uh, Adepoju Adabare, the edge rusher out of Kansas City. He got a significant bump. He went from number 106 to number 48 in the top 247. Uh, Caden Green also got a big bump, 105 to 70. And then Samuel Masigo from 123 to 105. Uh, our guy, Lewis Carter, just a, you know, a little bit of a bump, 126 to 124. And then another friend of the show, Joshua Bates, earns his fourth star from the 247 Sports folks. So, yeah, big shout out to Josh. We're, we're happy for him over there. And I think, I think a lot of people saw it coming. It's just also good to see it actually happening. Any takeaways from the, the top 247 update, Josh? Well, it's great to see the majority of those guys on the upward trajectory get recognition that uh, we thought was was possible in a final top 247 update. Obviously, Jackson Arnold, no surprise there for him. I'm not going to freak out about Petaway, still a top 40, you know, skill guy in this class. And uh, obviously, P.J. Adebore, that's terrific news to, to see that. And uh, several of these defensive guys for Oklahoma is top 125, 125. 150 players for OU. So it's a great class that has really, really come together the last two months. It's exciting. Yeah. So they've got seven guys in the top 200 and four guys in the top 100. That's it's pretty salty. And they're still in on several more of the, the top, the top uh, prospects in the country for the 2023 cycle. And we'll continue to cover it here on locked on Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today and make sure you subscribe to locked on Sooners, wherever you get your podcasts, we're free and available on all platforms over on YouTube as well. So make sure you subscribe to the show over there. Make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref and hear him from Monday through Friday from nine to noon over on 94, seven, the ref and also on the K ref app. You can stream it for free worldwide. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at the soonerswire.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams for Josh. I'm John. We'll catch you again this week. Boomer sooner.